Hello, Mississippi and abroad. This is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Welcome to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. We'd like to thank our partners at the Oxford Park Commission. Lots of good things going on there at OPC. For youth and adults alike, they're gearing up for flag football right now. Also, registration is ongoing for Ready Golf, an instructional time for youth ages 8 to 13. There's also boxing, fencing, hiking, and so much more. Visit them at OxfordParkCommission.com. I'm joined by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer. Michael, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Glad to have you on this morning. Uh, camp's winding down. I know you got to get over there. We'll uh, we're, we'll uh, talk about camp here in just a minute. But uh, first, a uh, big commitment last night uh, for Ole Miss on the recruiting front. Uh, what, what do you know about this guy? Well, he uh, Bryson Hurst is the. I mean, he's, he's the top ranked tackle for offensive lineman in the state, and and I I always think that no matter where you are coaching or whatever program you're a part of, you have to win the state. And so I, I think getting a, a four-star kid is always good, but for it to be, you know, one of the top players in the state is, it's, it's huge, you know, and speaking of huge, he is six foot six, 320 pounds. So uh, he definitely looks the part. I, I think there's, uh, since, since last, you know, really since the end of last season, it, it seems like there's been a, a pretty big, commitment to, to two places the the secondary and, and the offensive line and just sort of beefing up there and I, I think you know, the Ole Miss coaching staff is, is smart enough to know that you went up front and I, we, we we spoke about it a, a couple weeks ago when we talked about Orlando Umana and, and how you know him kind of being there made it really look like an SEC offensive line and I think this is just sort of adding to that it's it's getting more bodies that are, are going to be able to compete against the highest level teams in the conference. I want to come back to the offensive line just a second when we get into uh, into some camp talk. Hey, wanted to talk to you first, man, about just uh, some college football landscape news. You knew it wasn't going to stop there when the SEC added Texas and Oklahoma. That was really just kind of the tip of the spear of change. And and I guess the news right now is is the alliance that uh, has become official between uh, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC. And uh, look, it really, as I'm trying to think, what's, you know, what is the advantage for this alliance? And it's not so much on the field. Yes, they're going to have, uh, they'll be scheduling games, they'll be playing each other, but uh, we were getting these nice uh, intersectional matchups anyway. Uh, maybe there'll be a little more uh, frequency among them now, but um, that could the scheduling aspect could impact the SEC. Clearly, this is a a stand together against the the uh, the demon in the Southeastern Conference. But the big thing here, I think, is going to be uh, an alliance of voices when it comes time to vote on important matters going on right now, such as. You know the coming of uh, likely playoff expansion, uh, the the ever changing TV deals, media rights deals, things like that. Uh, when you see all this taking place, Michael, uh, what, what do you think? It, it's funny. I, I'm I'm a I'm a Pac-12 guy uh, at heart as, as a USC grad, and so I was kind of following this whole thing. Uh, 
kind of unfold yesterday. And I, I think the best way to describe that press conference situation, it was just very odd because, you know, they're they're announcing this, this alliance and they're saying all this stuff, but they're really not really saying anything it's you know you, you you can talk and not say much and that's kind of what that that felt like you know they obviously announced that you know they were going to be on the same page on a lot of things but there were no like signed agreements it was all like verbal uh you know winks and handshakes and it was just a very um it, it was a very interesting press conference in general and, and move and i think it, it really kind of shows what the other conferences kind of feel like they're up against in, in the SEC that, you know, they they, they held this sort of sh- charade uh, sort of deal without there really being, uh, you know, a, a ton of substance to it. And uh, I, I, I don't think fear is the right word, but it kind of shows you the intimidation of the SEC. And, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think it is important for them to, you know, have, have allies when it does come time to, you know, vote on the important things, but uh, it, it was a very weird, uh, you know, hour or, or whatever it was, kind of following that along on Twitter because uh, it it, uh, <laughs> it it didn't really seem like there was a, you know, I, one of my favorite things to say is uh, this could have been handled in, handled in an email, and it feels like that whole thing could have been handled in an email. Like there just wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot there uh, that really needed to be a press conference, but I, I definitely understand where they're coming from. Well, I'll tell you, it's it's very interesting um, because when you create a bloating, a bloating, <laughs> not bloating, when you create a voting block like that, uh, you create something with a lot of power, and obviously they're trying to stand against the SEC, and, and if that block holds true, uh, maybe they really can on some important matters, but when your your alliance reaches so far across the nation, I, I just wonder uh, if there might not be some people to stray from that voting block. I mean, sometimes when it gets down to it, the the needs on a campus uh, in Clemson, South Carolina, or, or in Atlanta, Georgia, might be very similar to needs on campuses in Columbia, South Carolina, and Athens, Georgia. You know, there might be some some regional uh, pressure that, that comes back on some of those voting issues. Uh, that's, I don't know, maybe, maybe you see something like that. But what I really thought was, um, you know, who stands with the SEC? Uh, is, does the SEC become this uh, uh, lone voice uh, crying in the wilderness kind of thing uh, on its own island? I'm wondering if a if another power conference uh, with some type of uh, sway in the TV discussion might come about. Do do you think uh, we could see uh, a conference from the best-branded teams from the group of fives, say uh, a Cincinnati, a UCF, uh, places that could deliver uh, TV markets, not markets where the alliance didn't already have a, a footprint, but just uh, maybe uh, maybe a, a TV network looks at a new conference like that if you pair them. Say you pair a UCF and a Cincinnati, maybe you get BYU in the mix, and then maybe you throw in the remnants of the Big 12 and you start putting some of those names together. Maybe you get something that appeals uh, to a network that uh, 
doesn't have a toehold on college football. It, it, it's it's certainly possible, and and I think it does though go back to the sort of handshakes and and not really signing anything because I, I think all of these places you know if you go back to the alliance can say yeah you know we we have your back and and you know all that kind of stuff but uh i, I unless you know i always look at it as an, until it's it's signed on on the dotted line they can always kind of serve their best interests and so i i think ultimately that, that's kind of what college football is it's serving your best interests and and i think when it comes kind of well you know will the sec be on its own i think it's possible but i don't think i don't think it really matters to them because uh, you know until others teams or conferences consistently start you know making the college football playoff field i i think they're okay being on their own because they're always going to kind of they're going to kind of own it i mean really if you look at the alliance you know obviously there's you know clemson in there but, uh, you know, the Pac-12, I believe, has made the college football playoff twice. And, you know, uh, the only real representative out of the Big Ten in the last few years has been Ohio State. And so I, I, I don't think that the, the SEC is super worried about kind of what everybody else is doing. Obviously, it would be nice if they could get other, you know, teams and conferences kind of uh, on, on their line of thinking. But you know, I think ultimately until – those other conferences start winning at the level the SEC does. I don't think that they're going to be losing a ton of sleep over over what the the alliance is doing. Interesting times, certainly. Uh, let, let's uh, move on to Ole Miss camp here. Let's start out with that offensive line. Uh, certainly a big pickup uh, uh, in recruiting from Bryson Hurst last night, but they also added a South Carolina transfer during the week, and and uh, and had position changes up there with. Uh, Jalen Cunningham moving from offensive line to defensive line. Ladarius Cox moving defensive line to offensive line. Uh, you mentioned it. They're paying a lot of attention to this position, and really it started uh, last spring uh, with a change in position coach on the offensive line. So, uh, you know, odd timing for Lane Kiffin to make that move right after spring drills but uh, what are you seeing uh, from this group right now tell us i guess about this south carolina transfer uh to start uh, how, how might he make an impact so i thought it was interesting yesterday because obviously lane and Ole miss are always a little bit hush hush about injuries and whatnot mm-hmm. and you know they, they have made it clear that nothing they feel is significant to significant pieces but lane did sort of put in there yesterday that they are pretty thin up front right now and that has kind of made things a little bit difficult and so i think when you start to see guys moving switching sides of the ball you know obviously there's always a method to the madness but i i don't think that was necessarily um i don't think that was a coincidence timing wise I, i i think that they I think they need bodies and they need guys who they think can help them. Obviously, you know, Cunningham, uh, he, you know, he was a D tackle coming out of high school. And so he obviously has, he has a lot of, you know, uh, experience there, but you know, Ladarius Cox, it's my knowledge. Didn't, uh, I know coming out of high school, he was solely a defensive line and he's played nose tackle his whole career. And so I think that's an interesting move, but you know, when you look at that and then you see them get, you know, roads from, from South Carolina, I, I think that it, it's, it's always about having able bodies. And, you know, Rhodes has, has played in a bunch of games uh, in the SEC. 
we saw him yesterday for the first time just sort of running on the field. He's a big kid. Uh, he he already looks the part. And so uh, I, I think that, you know, it, it is that sort of time of year where everybody's a little bit nicked up. But I, I think having quality guys to practice with and against is important. And, you know, how much time will he see once the season starts? It's hard to say. But I, I think right now as, as they're kind of working through uh, you know, some, some you know, nicks and bruises here and there. I, I think it helps to have those sort of quality guys. And, you know, if, if they can play come, you know, September 6th, I think that's an added bonus. Uh, let's talk about nicks and bruises. Uh, I know that uh, Lane Kiffin doesn't like to talk about nicks and bruises, but what what's your general feeling on the health of this football team? I think it's pretty healthy. Um, you know, uh, again, we, we are now a little bit more limited in, in what we see. Uh, the first week we were able to see everything, and then uh, I think we was starting last week that, uh, you know, we, we basically got to see some stretching and, and a little bit of uh, individual workouts. So we, we, we don't see a ton of, uh, you know, who's in there with the first and second group and who's practicing on a certain day. But, um, I mean, pretty much everybody – has been suited up um you know everybody's i think all things considered they are they're they're pretty healthy and as as lane likes to say i I think they're healthy at the in in the significant contributor spot i I, you know just kind of being out there there wasn't anybody that really kind of stuck out um you know you're gonna have guys that you know don't practice here and there but i'm learning that that is sort of a uh, that is not uh, uncommon everywhere. I, I think this time of year, you don't really want to get guys more beat up than you have to. Obviously, you want to get them in game shape, but uh, you will have guys who who don't practice here and there. But I, I, I would say overall, they're they're, they're they're looking pretty healthy. There seems to be internet chatter about Braylon Brown at, at receiver. Is is he among the injured right now? What what do you know there? Um, I can say that I have not seen him practicing much yeah. uh, in, in the last few weeks. But, again, Lane is very crafted in the way that he phrases things. So when he says um, he uh, he doesn't think there's any significant injuries to major contributors, you know, maybe that means he doesn't think Braylon was going to significantly contribute. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of kind of different ways that, that – that you can look at it, but uh, I, 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 I can say I have not seen him uh, doing significant practice stuff in the last couple of weeks, really since, I think it was really since that first week. I think we've all kind of been waiting to see uh, if he would be back out there, but we haven't seen anything, and, you know, we ask, uh, you know, every, every day if there's significant injuries, and we pretty much always get the same answer. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to get anything official uh, on him, or maybe it isn't that bad, and, and he's and he's uh, he's just missing a little bit of time. But uh, yeah, we, we I, I can definitely say I've not seen him really, you know, doing the warm up portions of stuff that that we've been out there for. Well, I'll tell you what: in the time that we did see him, I, I would have pegged him as a significant contributor. Now, I was only evaluating uh, a guy who was in shorts and helmets at the time, you know. <laughs> but uh, he, he sure uh, sure looked like a guy who could contribute uh, and and physically has the build to 
you know, look, be a, another uh, great uh, receiver at a school that has produced uh, many great receivers. Um, coaches All-SEC team came out uh, uh, yesterday. Four Ole Miss players on the team there. Uh, Matt Corral now has a sweep of the two major preseason All-SEC teams there with uh, the media and uh, the coaches voting him first team uh, preseason All-SEC. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Matt there, Michael? Uh, what kind of camp has he had? I mean, every time I see Matt out there, the ball is exploding out of his hand. And, and, and obviously the physical talent has always been there. I think everybody will tell you that uh, from his receivers to the coaches. But in sort of, you know, talking to the various receivers and running backs and linemen that we have had, um, you know, at the podium at, at different times, I think the thing that's really kind of stuck out that people – on the team have noticed is sort of just the way he handles himself. He's, he's become a louder voice. He's, he's really that leader. He's kind of the, you know, he's, he, he is the heart and soul of that team now. And, you know, maybe, maybe a year ago it wasn't quite as, as, as solidified because he was a little bit more of a question mark at, at that point. But I, I think the biggest thing from him is, you know, yeah, you know, obviously all the throws look great and, and he's seeing the field better than he did, obviously, as someone who's, who's more experienced. But uh, I, I think the, the, the thing that I've heard the most is that he's really sort of evolving as, as a leader. And, and you can kind of see that during those brief practice moments that were there. You can see he's, he's always hyping guys up. He's, he's loud. He's excited. He's, He's always, you know, patting guys on the rear and, and talking to guys. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if necessarily uh, a first-year starter, like, he, you know, uh, or, a, you know, a guy seeing, you know, his first full season as a starter like last year uh, is necessarily doing that. But now that he is established and he is the guy, he, I, I think you are really seeing sort of a, a different personality and, and a guy who's kind of come out of his shell and, in, in the best possible way. Um, any change in the uh, number two race uh, behind Matt there? Kincaid, Dent, and, and Luke Altmyer are the candidates there. Sounds like uh, Dent had a uh, had a pretty good scrimmage last week. Yeah, and so, you know, I, that's something I asked uh, last last weekend, and, um, you know, it, it sounds like it's, it, it's still a battle, and I know that Lane is going to be coy about certain things in how he's, he's playing his hand, but um, it, I, I, I do think it is a legitimate battle. I know uh, Luke was, uh, Luke Almeyer was, was limited from what it sounds like during uh, the scrimmage last week, and so I, I know, I, it sounds like Kincaid had, had a pretty good run in there. I believe Lane City threw a couple of touchdowns, uh, and so, you know, I, I think any reps that you can get when another guy isn't able to get them is always big. I, I, I think this is going to be something that really isn't decided until right before game week. And even uh, if there is an official proclamation on who the number two is, I, I, part of me feels like it could be kind of fluid based on the situation. Um, last question here. Jerry on Ely, again, uh, first team uh, preseason All-SEC as the all-purpose player, I, I get the sense in watching some of this, uh, some of these preseason lists and teams that that he is undervalued uh, as a running back. Um, 
you know, it's good that his versatility is highlighted on some of these teams, but uh, I think he could have uh, a, a pretty big season now just uh, lining up at, at his position. What's he look like in camp? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think part of that goes to show you just the sort of depth at running back in the conference. There's just so many guys that you can look at and say, well, that's a thousand yard rusher uh, under you know normal circumstances. But I, I think for for Jerrion, it's kind of a credit to what coaches think he can do. That he can basically, when I look at an all-purpose guy, I think you can line this guy up anywhere and he's going to succeed. And that's that's really kind of the vibe that we've gotten from him all you know preseason is that they are going to try to use him in some different ways whether it's as a receiver um you know doing doing different things out of the backfield and whatnot um i i i think they they feel really good about the guys the other run i don't want to say the running backs behind him but i want to say like the other running backs in the room in snoop and and and, and henry Parrish that they can put have those guys play and use Jerrion somewhere else and just make the team better. I, I, I don't, you know, again, coaches will say coach things, but when it was brought up, when the idea of the running backs, quote-unquote, behind Jerrion was brought up, Lane kind of pushed back on that and said, they're not really behind him. We think we have a bunch of really good guys. And I, I think that with Jerrion, you're... You know, obviously, he's if if you're looking at a depth chart, he's going to be number one guy on there, of course. But I, I think it really, I think he's going to be used creatively, and obviously, he's going to be a traditional tailback uh, the majority of the time. But I, I think with the emergence, and I really think of of, of Henry Parrish, I think he's a guy that could have a really big year. I think they're pretty high on him. Uh, I, I think having kind of this rotation and a, a, a number of different guys who can do different things is really going to kind of diversify the offense and so when when you look at at, at the all SEC teams yes it is it is interesting given kind of his resume that you know he, he didn't get you know first team love uh, by the coaches but I, I do think it's sort of on the on the other side of the fact that they see so much value in him as kind of the all-around player um i i i I think i think coaches in the conference know how dangerous he is uh he's he's looked explosive he's he's looked he's looked good and so i i i think he i i think pretty much everybody on the offense is primed for a good year but i i think jerry on i think there's a good chance that we see him do some pretty special things Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you all the relevant college football talk in Mississippi. Thanks to our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. Thank you for being with us today. We'll be back with you again.